Today in Canadian History for June 3rd, I'm Mark Affeld. A referendum was held on June 3, 1948 in Newfoundland and Labrador, asking its citizens to vote on the future of the area's government. But let's rewind a little bit. In 1907, Newfoundland became a dominion and was granted responsible government by Britain. This meant that Newfoundland and Labrador were represented by an elected prime minister of their very own. Flash forward to April 5, 1932. As its economy was primarily centered on the export of resources such as fish, Newfoundland was struck particularly hard by the Great Depression. This, coupled with the fact that the Dominion's government had been plagued by scandals and corruption, led a mob of 10,000 people to march on the colonial building, forcing the then Prime Minister, Sir Richard Squires, to flee. Later in the year an election was held, and Frederick C. Alderis won. A royal commission took place, and by 1934 Newfoundland's government voted against its own self-governing status. This handed power over to a non-elected commission of government. To learn more, I spoke with Keith Collier, a freelance writer and historian who currently works at the Maritime History Archive at Memorial University of Newfoundland. So, so back in 1932, why did the people of Newfoundland want to end responsible government? Well, it wasn't so much that people of Newfoundland wanted to end responsible government as I think they felt that responsible governments really didn't have anywhere left to go. They couldn't really handle the responsibilities put on them anymore. Responsible government was kind of, in the minds of most people, it was connected to two things. One was um, corruption. There was a lot of really high-profile corruption cases. Well, not a lot, but there were a couple of really high-profile corruption cases in the 1920s that involved people as high up as the prime minister. And it was also kind of tied to, of course, at this time, poverty. Um, Newfoundland had never been an especially rich place at that time, but of course the Great Depression had hit Newfoundland uh, quite hard. And by 1932, when this started to become an issue, it was 1934, but by, by the time that uh, responsible government was actually relinquished, we're talking five years into the Depression, and uh, most of Newfoundland government's money was going to pay down uh, the debt, and they just did not have the resources to, uh, to take care of the people that they needed. So then when Newfoundland and Labrador were, didn't have responsible government and they didn't have an elected representative, um, what type of government were they under? Yeah, so this is a really kind of contentious area in, in Newfoundland history. Like At that time, this 1934 to 1949, Newfoundland was under what was called the Commission of Government. And that was, it consisted of six commissioners. Three of them were from Newfoundland and three of them were from Great Britain. They were all appointed by the British government. And they were headed by the Newfoundland uh, governor, who of course was also appointed by the British government. And the Commission of Government, it really, it had some successes and it had some failures, but it's really, it came under a lot of criticism for, for one, being undemocratic. It was not elected and really had no uh, basis in popular support. And uh, they did a lot of really things that, that didn't help them at all. And one of their first actions was to shut down the Newfoundland Museum and turn it into offices for themselves and put all the displays in storage. So that really didn't endure them to the people at all. But uh, they actually had some successes as well. The Commission of Government um, probably did more for health care, especially, uh, especially health care, say, in rural or outport Newfoundland and Labrador than uh, any previous government had before. And then, of course, during the, the war years, Second World War, the Commission actually found itself able to draw on resources that they, the Newfoundland government previous to war had not been. There was a lot of uh, Canadian and American servicemen uh, came to Newfoundland. They set up bases. Uh, in Newfoundland, especially the Americans. The 1940 destroyers for bases deal was uh, 
an economic boom for Newfoundland. You know, it was maybe a little uh, a little undemocratic as well, the way that the British government more or less gave away territorial rights to parts of Newfoundland, but uh, the Newfoundland people benefited from it immensely. So now back to the June 3rd, 1948 referendum. The people of Newfoundland were asked to choose between three options. One, reinstitute responsible government while remaining a British dominion. Number two, join Canadian Confederation. Or three, keep the non-elected commission of government. The result of the referendum found very little support for the non-elected commission. But the other two options were too close to call. So, another election was held a month later. The second referendum resulted in 52% to 48% in favor of Confederation. And so, a year later, on March 31, 1949, Newfoundland and Labrador would become Canada's 10th province. And were there any social or, or economic divisions between the people who supported each of these options that were, that were on the referendum? Um, the short answer is yes. But, of course, it's, it's not that simple. There's, in any kind of uh, major issue like this, there are always people um, of every, of all walks of life and all different economic and social backgrounds on both sides of the issue. Um, but in general, we can say that most people who were supportive of responsible government were based in St. John's or the surrounding area, the Avalon Peninsula, and most people who seemed to support Confederation were outside of, uh, of St. John's. And I think... That basically comes down to an economic and political divide. Most of the people who had um, the economic resources and were fairly secure and had uh, political power already, so we're talking uh, merchants, businessmen, politicians, uh, those uh, sorts of people, they were mostly based in and around St. John's anyway, and I think they were able to have a fair amount of influence uh, in, uh, in pushing against Confederation in St. John's and the area. I think that they felt that uh, Confederation would probably, say, erode their... Uh, their political base or erode their political influence, as well as possibly subject them to higher taxes. Whereas outside of uh, the Avalon Peninsula, you have got a lot more uh, um, people with much less in the way of political power and uh, economic uh, resources. So these are the outports of Newfoundland, right? People who are based on fishing or logging really didn't have much in the way of, uh, of secure economic uh, prospects. So the idea of Confederation and the Canadian uh, social security system was a was much easier sell to them and looked much more appealing to them. Now I'm curious, when Newfoundland eventually joined Canada, what was the uh, the reaction of the people? I mean, was was there any rioting on the streets from the anti-Confederation supporters? Well, there's uh, there's kind of the famous picture you see in uh, some souvenir shops and such in in St. John's and around Newfoundland now of uh, of a little boy letting a Newfoundland uh, Republic flag with all the pink, white, and green taking it down off a flagpole, and the caption says, you know, we let the old flag fall, and it says, you know, April 1st, 1949, or whatever. And uh, there is kind of that, there were a lot of people who were definitely disappointed at that, and they definitely felt that they had lost something um, important by becoming a Canadian province, but there was no major backlash. There were no riots or anything like that. Um, some people, I think, had expected uh, Peter Cashin, who was the main uh, anti-Confederate um, leader, before the referendums, um, some people expected him to kind of lead some kind of a backlash and uh, against Confederation, but it never really materialized. Um, it's important to remember, too, that a lot of people who voted for responsible government, they weren't necessarily voting against Confederation. They were, a lot of people who voted for responsible government felt that 
uh, confederation might still be a good idea, and they were willing to consider it, but they felt that Newfoundland um, should be negotiating uh, confederation with Canada through uh, a democratically elected responsible government, not through uh, the commission of government. Today is a day full of Canadian history. On this day back in 1799, the island of St. John officially became known as Prince Edward Island. And thank goodness, because there's already a St. John and a St. John's I need to keep straight. The Cree and the Northwest Mounted Police were involved in the last battle ever fought on Canadian soil on June 3rd, 1885. And as always, we aired this episode of Today in Canadian History. Today in Canadian History is produced by CJSW 90.9 FM. The executive producers are Joe Burma and Mark Affeld. Original music is produced by the Fisk, Fletcher and May Trio. Our series is not meant to be a definitive source on our past. Instead, we hope that it sparks a desire to learn more about our unique history. For more information on the series or to recommend an event or moment, check out our website at cjsw.com slash today in Canadian history. Once again, it's Canadian quiz time. Can you name Newfoundland and Labrador's two official dogs? Hold on to your hat for this one. They are the Newfoundland dog and the Labrador Retriever. It's actually two pretty awesome dogs. Way to go, Newfoundland and Labrador.